Welcome to BizQuick, everyone. I am Corey. And I'm Julie. And today we have Rocco Coza out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he is the owner of a boutique business and entertainment law firm. Welcome, Rocco. That's right. You're listening to BizQuick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. BizQuick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Hey, Rocco. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. I'm going to dive right into the deep end of the pool with you. (laughs) So you've had your law firm for seven years where you work with small to medium-sized businesses. What's the most interesting conundrum you've ever helped a small business owner with? Man, that's a, that's a pretty loaded question uh, because it's, there, there's a million different things I've helped uh, clients with. I, I will tell you this, a lot of small business owners, the, I don't want to say most interesting conundrum, but the most common conundrum is when they try and either set up their company themselves through some online you know, uh, website or they go get documents off of Google that they think cover everything. And there was one situation, this was probably about four years ago. Uh, it was a partnership dispute. So these, you know, two business owners, they started the business, everybody loves each other in the beginning, you know, you're in the honeymoon phase, they go and download this document off the internet, they thought it covered everything they needed to. And then everything just fell apart. And when they actually had a chance to look at the agreement, that they put together, they didn't even have the right people's names within the agreement. Everything was completely wrong. So we had to basically start from scratch, rebuild things to then break them down again. So it was, you know, I always encourage people like, Hey, there are certain things you can do yourself and I'm I'm all for people saving money and learning things themselves, but there are certain things you definitely should not do. And that is one of those instances where they tried to put this partnership agreement themselves didn't even read the agreement they literally downloaded it and it still had the names in it from the parties that they downloaded it from this i mean this took months to resolve so that was uh that's definitely one of the interesting ones that i've come across wow so pro tip for our listeners go back and look at your documents and make sure you don't have john smith and jane doe listed on them yeah that's 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 definitely a tip 100 percent so we were talking about being able to download forms off of the internet. Yeah. Um, what are there ones that you simply just should not try and do yourself? Like, you know, um, NDAs when you're crafting an NDA that you're going to sign yeah. with clients or partnership. What are, what are the ones where you like get an attorney versus find something on the internet, but use a reputable source? Yes. Yeah, so, so here's what I always tell people, right? When it, when it comes down to setting up your business, right? whatever type of entity you form, be it a corporation, an LLC, a general or limited partnership, that is something you should 100% have an attorney do. You know, I, there are those websites out there that say, you know, form your LLC for $200, but you don't get it done the right way. And and what I always tell people, I, I tend to be pretty blunt in my advice. And I, 
tell people if you're not willing to spend what it takes to set up your business the right way, you're probably not ready to be in business. So that's one. Now things like, uh, you know, an NDA, those are pretty standard. So if you find one from a reputable source, unless you're getting into very complex IP or patents or software, you can use those a lot of times from on the internet, but setting up the company itself, that agreement that dictates the foundation, if you're not willing to pay for that, you need to rethink going into business in my opinion. What, like if a, a client came to you mm-hmm. and they, because a lot of people who we work with, we work with small businesses, sure. like money, money is always an issue. Yep. And it's always, you know, forefront of their mind when they're talking to anybody. Do you recommend, like, would you push somebody away or not, you know, say, hey, you know, if you're trying to save some money, here's the things that I should do for you, but here's some things you could just do this on your own. Absolutely. That's how I've built my practice, right? I, I built the practice when I started that I built on a flat fee model. You know, I do have clients that I bill hourly just because they're larger clients. There's no other way to do it. But the, the basis of my practice is flat fee. So if a client comes to me and say, hey, they need these certain things, I quote them a flat fee. But there are many times where I say, don't pay me to do that. You know, filing a copyright, that's something you can do yourself. A trademark, that's something you should probably have us do. But sometimes when they want to file like a trademark, it's premature. And I tell them, let's not even go there yet. But yeah, there, you know, that's a good question because I try and provide my clients the best advice possible in the moment. There are clients that come to me and want to do everything all at once. And I tell them, let's start here and spend money here, not here. And I tend to advise them you know, along the way. And the way I operate as a lawyer, which is a lot different than other lawyers, is once a client engages me to do something, then I'm their lawyer. I encourage them to call me, text me, email me. I don't charge for those types of things. I'm there to help and I want them to save money by spending five minutes on the phone with me instead of doing something that they now have to pay me thousands of dollars to fix. I'm glad that you um, said that you operate a little bit different than most attorneys. Cause I was going to say to Corey, and now I feel less bad about saying it. I feel <laughs> like we just found the, the one attorney that we, we could find that has high integrity, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you this. I've always prided myself on the fact that when most people meet me, they don't guess I'm an attorney and yeah. I want to keep it that way. Yeah, no doubt. So, <laughs> you know, what, I'm curious what it is that made you um, interested in serving the small to mid-size um, business community. Cause I'm sure that, you know, as an attorney, there's a lot of different directions you could have gone yeah. that would have been a lot more lucrative for you or potentially more lucrative. So what made you go in this direction? So one, I saw the need, right? So when I started my practice, you know, I, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life since I was a kid, you know, I was always about starting businesses. I've been involved in probably 15 other businesses throughout my career from real estate to tech companies, to social media marketing. But I saw this when I started my practice, I saw this need, right? There were these small to mid-sized companies that, you know, they were getting fleeced by these big firms, charging them ridiculous amounts of, mo- amounts of money to do simple tasks. And uh, I'll give you an example. When I first started my practice, this is how I knew this market needed served. A client came to me and they were doing what's called a domestication, which is basically moving a company from one state to the other, to a new state, basically. And, you know, I talked to them, I said, oh, I can do this on a flat fee, quoted them a, a price. They said, okay, you know, we're, we're talking to two other law firms. We'll be back in touch with you. They called me two days later and hired me. And I just asked them, I said, out of curiosity, do you mind 
telling me what the other firms did. Now, the two other firms were both mid, mid-sized law firms here in the Pittsburgh region. Neither one of them would quote a flat fee, and they all said it was going to be between ten dollars and $15,000. My fee was $1,500. Wow. So I just saw, I said, okay, there's this need in this, in this spot in the market. These clients are not getting served the right way. I just knew if I stayed small, nimble, and efficient, I can serve them in the best possible way and give them high quality legal advice at an affordable price. Having such a competitive rate, uh, you know, as that, you had 10% of what the you know, yeah. your competitors have, um, probably means that you have to bring on more clients. So how do you balance um, that? Or, or are you able to, you know, to work with just a smaller number of clients because you're a smaller, uh, smaller firm? So it's interesting because the firm has developed over the years, right? So I do have the larger clients that mm. I'm servicing on an ongoing basis. But, you know, I average probably between 20 and 30 new clients a month, which, you know, in my mind is the sweet spot. Now I have, you know, two associates that work with me now. So we're kind of ramping up the marketing now. But I've been fortunate enough that throughout my entire career in my firm, I haven't really had to do much marketing. It's all been referrals. And, it's, it's that 20 to 30 a month has been the sweet spot. So I haven't, you know, it's not a ton of clients that I have to bring on to, to, you know, to keep that baseline, but it's enough where I'm constantly doing new things. And that's what I like. I like the challenge of new matters, new clients, new companies, new issues. So that's kind of where I like to keep it. But now as we're growing, we're going to start ramping up that marketing. So you talk about a lot of your business coming from referrals, which is such a smart way for small business owners to be able to get repeat, you know, to get business without having to market for it is that referral. So how do you, do you do um, customer like client testimonials um, from your clients? Do you ask for those or, and, and if you do, how do you use them? So we, we just started doing that recently asking for, we say, you know, if you've had a good experience or any experience, if they would review us on Google or on Facebook. So that has been something I haven't focused on in the past, but I have focused on recently. The issue with that is lawyers, we have certain advertising rules that we have to comply with. So it's hard to just go out and you can't ask for positive referrals. You have to put, you know, you have to be very specific with the wording when it's a client testimonial. So it's, it's a, there's some nuances to that, to that part of advertising, but we do ask for clients to just leave reviews because we think that helps future clients to see how we perform as a law firm, both, you know, with certain clients that like us and some that don't like us. We wanted to take a quick break to tell you more about SB Pace, the small business consulting company that makes this podcast possible. SB Pace, which stands for Small Business Planning, Advising, Coaching, Expertise, focuses solely on helping small businesses and entrepreneurs. Are you looking to start a small business of your own? SB Pace can get you up and running with a solid foundation that's built to last. Are you an existing small business in a slump or just looking for ways to improve what you do? We can help with that. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? SB Pace is the partner you need. You can find out more about SB Pace and what we have to offer by visiting our website, sbpace.com. I'm curious about the entertainment side of your business. Sure. Um, what, exactly, what, what exactly is that? Like, <laughs> so, so entertainment law is kind of this misnomer, right? It's just business law within the entertainment industry. 
So I kind of fell into it, right? We're in Pittsburgh. We have a lot of former athletes and, and former entertainers in the area. And just in the circles I've been in, I've come in contact with quite a few of them. So I started working with them, representing them with, with regards to their business dealings, helping them set up companies, helping them set up foundations, and just really giving them advice in a lot of the business deals they've, they've been involved in. And it's, it's a really fun industry to be in. When I started, I was working more with the talent, you know, the entertainers and the artists. I've gravitated more towards the company side of things now because you, you find that the talent can be challenging. They have very high expectations of service with very low expectations of paying. So it's definitely been a challenge. <laughs> well, and, and not to mention, I mean, you, I'm sure there's egos that come along with it. Absolutely. And- and and they're they're famous for a reason, so their schedule's probably already full with sure. you know, things going on. So yeah, I can see that being a challenge for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. When it comes to setting up businesses mm-hmm. for small business owners, do you have any guidance that people should be looking at um, when it comes to either like you know an LLC or an S corp or a C corp or however they're setting it up. I, it's one of the most common questions that I see in like groups on Facebook where people are getting ready to set up a business and they don't know which one to choose. Sure. So that's a great question. I think there is a lot of misinformation out there. Um, I will tell you this, that 99.5% of small businesses probably would end up in an LLC. Because the reason why, so when you, you said, you said S corp, right? Mm-hmm. The only reason to be an S corp is for the tax benefit of it. Because an LLC from a liability perspective, you know, when you form an entity, the first reason you do it is for liability protection. It protects your personal assets from any liability for anything that happens in the business. So an LLC or a corporation really gives you the same liability protection. So long as you're following corporate formalities, you set it up the right way. The S corporation, that's an election you make with the IRS to say, I want to be an, a tax as an S corporation. There's a tax benefit, a tax benefit to it. What most people don't realize is that when you form an LLC, you can elect for that tax status without having to form a corporation. So for instance, say here, here in Pennsylvania, right? When I set up an LLC for a client, I charge a flat fee of $700 plus the state filing fee of $125. So you're 825 all in. If I was setting up a corporation for someone, that fee's almost doubled because it's just a lot more work involved. There's the filing fee. Then you also have to advertise in two newspapers that you filed this corporation, which adds an additional $400 in cost. The only reason to be that corporation is for that S-corp election for the tax purpose. So there's really no reason to be anything but an LLC for most small businesses. Now there are those companies that they may get venture funding down the road or try and get angel investors. So they may set up as a corporation for that purpose. But if your market is small to mid-sized businesses, 99.5% of them will be LLCs when you kind of look at all the facts involved. Okay. That makes great sense. What are some of the, like the the most common pitfalls you see when people are setting up their business or just running their business in general? Yeah. So when setting it up, they don't plan for divorce. That's, that's the biggest pitfall, right? You get two people, they're in a partnership. They have this great idea. They want to set up this business. Everybody's happy and they think it's going to work. They're going to become millionaires and nothing's going to happen. 
Well, I always advise them, we have to plan for divorce. What if you hate each other in a year? What if you disagree? What if one of you dies or becomes disabled? People don't like to do that, one, because it just takes work to do. Two, you have to think of things you don't like to think of. So that's the biggest mistake people make when they're setting up a business. When it comes to running the business, I really feel the biggest mistake people make is not using appropriate contracts or documentation for the things they do. I can't tell you, and I've had clients, large clients, you know, tens of millions of dollars that do deals on a handshake, which to me is just the biggest mistake a business can make because yeah, we may all like each other and agree and we're going to do this deal. But if one of those parties gets fired, no one knows what that deal is about. And if there's nothing on paper, you're screwed. So that's the, that's the biggest mistake I see when they're actually running the business. It's all about protecting yourself and protecting your business and the assets. Yeah. You're a small business owner Mm -hmm. representing small business owners. Um, Can you share a lesson with our listeners that you learned along the way that maybe can um, help, help our listeners, like just something that you learned the hard way as a small business owner? (laughs) Where do you want me to begin? There's plenty of things. (laughs) Tell us all of them. Tell us them all. (laughs) The, The biggest thing I learned, you know, as a lawyer and, and type A personality, we, you know, we're control freaks. I want to control everything. I had to learn the hard way to let go of certain things. You know, there are just certain things that I shouldn't be spending my time doing. You know, I need to know enough about my finances, but I don't need to be my CPA. That's why I have a CPA. You know, I, know, I need to know enough about the insurance I need, but I don't need to be an insurance broker. I think a lot of small business owners, you know, they, they try to understand and do everything because they don't want to pay for those other services. I was the same way. Once I learned that, hey, these people are professionals for a reason and I pay them the money to do what, what they are going to do, it helped my business tremendously because it allowed me to focus on what I was good at stay in my lane and really exponentially grow my business. So I encourage everybody to really look at what you do every day, figure out what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing and the stuff you shouldn't be doing, find the right people to do it for you. Yeah, that's a a piece of advice. Very similar. Um, One of our clients, he owns his own insurance brokerage or an agency, whatever you'd call it. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's just talking about like insurance ease, so to speak, where he's like, don't, don't let anybody, but, an insurance expert tell you that they can, they can decipher whatever's in there. He's like, there's a reason why I do what I do. Exactly. And that's advice that we give to our clients all the time. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, find the things that you're good at, do those. Those are the, that's what you started the business for to do those things and then outsource the other stuff. There are people who are experts and um, I've had a lot of conversations in the last couple of days of people who are hesitant to spend money on things in the beginning and then end up spending you know, four or five times the amount they would spend if they just outsource it because either they make mistakes or they have to purchase and repurchase. And it just ends up being where you think you're being cost effective and you're really, really just being cost reckless at the end of the day. I I mean, that that brings back to the the story I told you earlier about the partnership dispute, right? That they spent probably $10,000 getting that situation resolved when if they would have came to me in the beginning, it would have cost them $700 to put the right document in place. So just think about that. You know, they spent, you know, 15 X what they would have spent in the beginning to fix a problem that could have been avoided. 
So yeah. that's really what I, t- I tell all my clients. Like, look, there are things I'll tell you to spend money on, things you don't need to spend money on. And I think as a small business owner, you have to be, you have to be comfortable understanding that and being comfortable spending money on the right things and on the right team. And yeah. If you're not, you may not be ready to be in business. They 15x in the wrong direction. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We need to start wrapping up. Tell our listeners where they can find you, Rocco. Absolutely. They can go to my website, which is just cozalaw.com. It's C-O-Z-Z-A-L-A-W.com. You can also find us on Facebook. It's just facebook.com slash cozalaw. And I'm pretty active on Instagram as well. And that's just Instagram. My username is the Rocco Coza, all one word. Question for you. I do have yeah. now. Okay. Um, because you said you're on Instagram, you're pretty active on there. I, I don't have any social media, so I'm really not even sure what, <laughs> how it's used. How do you, how do you, how do you uh, like interact with your, your followers or whatever on Instagram? Instagram has actually been a great marketing source for me because it's, I use Instagram really as my personal brand. It's where I show the ins and outs of my life, both professionally and personally. And I've gotten so many clients through Instagram simply because they get to see who I actually am as a person and they direct message me. They want to work with me because I, you know, I show my kids, I show the, the crazy things they do. I show that I'm not perfect, that I struggle with just like every other entrepreneur. You know, I, I'll go on my story sometimes or do lives where I'm talking about the struggles of running my law practice and, it, it tends to resonate with people because it's authentic. And that has truly helped grow my business by just putting it out there that, Hey, I'm just like you have the same struggles, but I'm here to help. It's all part of that. No, like trust, right? Yeah, Where exactly. People know you and they like you. Yeah. They, then they start to trust you and they want to do business with you. And I really think a lot of people fail to recognize the importance of really being yourself, being authentic on social media, because um, this is one of the things that we've talked a lot about a lot since we started our business is the mm-hmm. importance of really com- being who we are because we don't ever want anybody to be surprised when they when they start to do business with us where they're like that that you're not even close to the person I thought you were on social media like yep. we just don't ever want to put ourselves in that situation so if being authentically ourselves detracts people from us that's okay because then we probably weren't meant to do business with them anyway. Exactly. I always say, look, people are going to like me and some people aren't. And that's okay. Like I'm not for everybody. I'm a very to the point lawyer. I'm blunt. I'm straightforward. I don't over lawyer things. I don't write somebody a 10 page memo when a three minute phone call will do the trick. And some people don't like that. You know, they want that pretentious lawyer. That's not me. and, And I'm okay with it. And I just, you're right. It's just about being authentic, real and who you are. And you put it out there. It tends to come back, you know, you know, in, in tenfold. It does. As I like to say, we ain't the same. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks again, Rocco. Thanks for, for the time and all the information. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, this was great. And you can connect with us on social media. We are on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebook. You can also find us on our websites, sbpace.com and bizquickpodcast.com. And while you're out there listening to our pods on our sites, go ahead and subscribe to the pod, like us and give us a review. We love feedback. So let us know what you like, what you don't like. We do like feedback, any feedback. Also, if you're interested in hearing us cover any specific topics, just reach out and let us know. We are happy to track down the guests to cover those topics. Oh, 
we wrote a book. It's called Seriously? Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It's available on Amazon. You can link to it through our SB Pace website, and it has a companion workbook. That's it for the show. I'm Corey. I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.